This is the Wes and Walker Show. Yeah, the Ric Flair documentary was fire. It's Wes. This came out. It's on Peacock. It's called Woo. Yeah, man, <laughs> I heard good. it was. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, this man said real quick. And Walker. It is called Woo. It's not the most glowing review of the title. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. And like, I thought there would be like a lot of emphasis on the oh, Woo! And he was just like, it's called Woo. Shouts to Joe Bruno with an important reminder for tonight. He tweeted out just 20 minutes ago, a reminder for Golden Bachelor fans. Due to the Panthers game on WSOC TV Thursday night, Golden Bachelor will air on TV 64, same time Bachelor in Paradise will air on WSOC at 1 a.m. Tell a friend, it might just save them. And help them view <laughs> Golden Bachelor. Have you seen one episode of Golden Bachelor, Wes? Uh, I've not. I have watched The Bachelor in my day, but it's very uh, situational if, if I'm going to watch The Bachelor or not. So safe to say, uh, I did see previews and different things of that nature, but I have not. Yeah, Golden Bachelor isn't anything that I hopped on. Willie P is a connoisseur of The Bachelor franchise, correct, mm. Fitty? Bachelor in Paradise, I know he loves. I mean, it, it sounds right, but you'd think a man that has consumed so much he would learn the charm of the Bachelor lifestyle. He hasn't he hasn't done that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Are we taking are you taking a shot? What yeah. do you mean by that? You're taking, taking a shot, shot at a sing at a single? Yeah. Well, one, I'm not surprised, but also I didn't expect it to go that route. I know people apparently love this show, this variation of it. Golden Bachelor, the ratings are through the roof from what I saw reported at the beginning. Some are saying it's the golden era of The Bachelor. Nope, it deserved the crickets. I appreciate you playing it yourself. And when you go back and you look at some of the other Bachelor episodes or seasons, I got into it for like two years when I first started dating my girlfriend. And then it's just like, no, I'm, I'm kind of done. I'm out of it. I don't care about it anymore. But they did get me for two years, Wes. And you know how it is on the reality TV shows. They'll rope you in to some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's the thing about The Bachelor. It is dangerous. If you watch it enough, you're going to get roped in to want to watch more episodes. And for me, it's all about if it's The Bachelorette, she has to be like a knockout. Like it has to be oh, somebody. Okay. Like, I like Claire a lot, so I watched her season. Don't then, know who that is. But then it's got to be um, a guy with the females trying to get his roles. Then I'm in. If it's, if it's a flock of great-looking women, I watch. So you want to watch The Bachelor then, not The Bachelorette? Uh, no, it depends, because I said I watched The Bachelorette, depending on who it is. Like, I watched the one with Hannah, and I watched the one with Claire. Okay. And that's your Bachelor breakdown. Yeah. And how Wes will view it every once in a while. <laughs> Time now for the Live Wire with Josh Fitty Marlowe. Live Wire Connect. Live Wire's on the team <laughs> connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The East and the West. Yesterday, we talked about candles. Today, we talked about The Bachelor. I wonder what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Trying to think. I don't know, man. I, I have no clue what we're going to talk about, but... Me neither. Yeah, it's that's what's crazy about Weston Walker, man. You never know what they're <laughs> going to say next. Hopefully, we're talking about a good performance from Panthers rookie quarterback Bryce Young. And we've played a lot of audio on this show, Hell on the Station, about all the different people's opinions of our rookie quarterback. And yesterday, Danny Cannell 
joined Blue Chew Bailey in the afternoons to say <laughs> that the rookie is having the type of year you typically see from a rookie quarterback in the National Football League. I would say comparison is the thief of joy because I think what is happening with Bryce Young is completely normal. Uh, he is a rookie quarterback who is going through typical rookie struggles. Now, when I say comparison is a thief of joy, I think when you look around, you see C.J. Stroud, who, of course, we know was taken number two. You're like, wait a second. Why can't we have that guy? Like, what's, what's going on with him? Who is, by the way, I think C.J. Stroud is having maybe one of the best rookie seasons uh, in the history of the NFL with what he's doing with the Texans. So I understand some of it. I understand there potentially could be some buyer's remorse. But if you didn't see what he was doing, I think you would see what you've seen, what happened with Trevor Lawrence, what you've seen happen with Peyton Manning. So I would say be patient, which I understand is very frustrating with the lack of success the franchise has had over the last six or seven years. But that's really just kind of all you can do. Does the, the does the makeup of Bryce Young make you confident that this will make him a better quarterback in the long run? Because once he figures it out, once he gets the, the, the proper blocking, once he gets the proper receivers around him, we've got a track record of him of knowing that he's going to be a baller on the football field. Uh, yeah, I do for sure. I think Bryce has high football character. I always have. And so for him, I think, as I've said earlier, I think he's running into his first real football adversity. But I think he's the type of kid you can tell everything about his personality, how he carries himself, that he's going to use this for motivation to get better. He's learning each and every game. And I think it's going to bode well for him in the future. I agree with Danny Cannell that everything will be fine and that comparison is stealing away some of our joy, even though there's not much joy to be had, C.J. Stroud, balling or not. We did get to see him improve quite a bit in the Houston game, and I think we had seen him improve from game to game before we got to the victory against the Texans. Man, did we experience a big old setback against the Indianapolis Colts. Here's what I want to keep in mind for everybody. Dan Orlovsky was debating on first take today that C.J. Stroud should already be a part of the MVP conversation. That was a topic on first take. Stephen A. Smith said, hold on, I'm pumping the brakes on it a little bit. Lewis Riddick is telling you that C.J. Stroud already is a top 10 QB. And that's all understandable. The guy's been playing fantastic football after throwing for close to 500 yards. Yeah, man, that's real impressive. Let's not forget, Dan Orlovsky also last year after watching what Justin Fields was doing on the ground in the second half of the season, brought up the same point, Justin Fields deserves to be in the MVP conversation. I bring that up to say, four hours ago, there was a clip uploaded to ESPN.com, Orlovsky, it's hard to see Justin Fields with the Bears in 2024. Think about how different things can be in just one year's worth of time. MVP conversation last year? To whether he's right or wrong, he's certainly telling you now, I don't know if Justin Fields is going to be with the Bears one calendar year later. It doesn't mean that C.J. Stroud is going to be a bad QB by any means, but think about how many things can change in just one year, like Bryce Young being a good QB because maybe there's more help around him with the offensive line protecting at a better rate, with better weapons surrounding him. You don't have to just funnel all the targets to Adam Thielen. Things can change dramatically. Hopefully, Bryce Young can experience that on the positive side going into a sophomore campaign. Moving on, remember back in the preseason when the Panthers got shut out by the Jets and Frank Reich admitted he didn't put his position in player or his players in position to win the game and they kept everything very vanilla. 
Well, according to JTO Sullivan, who does a great job on the QB school, he still sees a lack of creativity in the Panthers' offense. Pass protection, an issue. Separation on the perimeter, an issue. There's just nowhere to go at the top of the drop that damn near every single pass play. That part of it is tough. You tether that to what I'm going to classify as the nice way to put it, old scheme. So we're running Hank. We're running all, everybody run up to the sticks and turn around. The game has just improved so much with being able to marry concepts together that are better versus multiple coverages. So having multiple runaways, having choice routes with faster guys, using motion and stack formations to create leverage opportunities, not just, hey, we're going to run Hank. Let's run Hank again. We're going to run stop spacing. We're going to run stop some more. We're going to run deep hooks. There's just no one's winning. They're not scared of any of the vertical threat. And we're not throwing the ball down the field. All that stuff combined, just a really, really tough day. Is is the undoing of Frank Wright going to be his inability to evolve as an offensive mind? And maybe him and Thomas Brown, they just don't marry well together as offensive minds. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this play, when he's talking about Hank, I mean, that's like a classic Madden basic play where everybody runs curls and the running backs run out to the flat. And so uh, this is not a very dynamic concept by any stretch of the imagination. And I think JTL Sullivan is right. And I think that's one of the reasons why he turned things over to uh, Thomas Brown. And then you look at the offensive line from pass block, win rate, run block, win rate. They're 19th and 31st respectively. But I think we saw a little bit of that stacking the receivers when we saw the big completion from Bryce Young to uh, Haynes when he... Um, Lord have mercy. What's the uh, the tight end? Because I wanted to make sure I got his name. For us? Hayden Hurst? Yeah, Hayden Hurst. Okay. okay. I, I always want to call him Haynes. I don't know why I want to call him that. Hayden Hurst. Get so Georgia Tech saw, off the mind. Uh, yeah. So we saw the, uh, the trips formation there, and we saw the multiple routes and the route stacked underneath uh, Hurst's route as he caught that big play from Bryce Young. And so, yeah, man, that, that's what they're going to have to do because there are ways to – get around and mask a lot of things about your offense. And for uh, Frank Reich to come out in the preseason after they looked so bad and uh, things weren't looking great, we heard that it was vanilla and they had more in store, which we've yet to see. Yeah, that's the problem. They changed offensive play callers, and it worked against Houston, I guess, enough to get a win. But remember, they only scored 15 points. They got held in check on a couple of fourth-to-go situations. But... It didn't work against the Indianapolis Colts, who had one of the worst statistical defense heading into that matchup. Yeah. So when you're talking about Hank, which is going to be hilarious, I feel like that's going to be ingrained in my brain <laughs> for the rest of the season. Hey, stop running Hank. I don't care what play they run. They could run a Hail Mary. I'm going to call it Hank Mary. That's all that's going to be in my brain this entire time. But it's passed on now from Frank Reich to Thomas Brown. It's not, all right, well, let's change it up. You already did. Thomas Brown was putting together some plays in the offensive game plan that you had with Frank Reich at the helm. But what did Reich tell you ever since he handed the reins to Thomas Brown during a bye week, by the way? So we're talking about, what, three weeks or so, a little more of Thomas Brown being in charge of the offense after that decision was made. He said this was Thomas Brown's call. Whatever Thomas wanted to do, that's how he was going to call his games. And even in the clip that got everybody hyped up, the one win against Houston, where they're taking us behind the scenes. You got Frank Reich 
mic'd up. And he says, Thomas, whatever play call you want here, man, whatever one you want. It was like a third or maybe it was the fourth down reception to Adam Thielen. People were hyping it up. It was on social media. Whatever you want, Thomas, you got it. Call whatever you want. And now it's against Indianapolis. This isn't to criticize what Thomas Brown is doing. It's just showing you, man, there's there's not a lot to work with. If the pass if the pass blocking is atrocious, if you're not even run blocking all that well, if the wide receivers aren't getting separation unless you're Adam Thielen 10 yards within the line of scrimmage, then where are you going to go with it? So this is what's tough. It's not an indictment on Thomas Brown's ability to call plays. It's just, man, you hope that they're creative, but making this move to Thomas Brown, it didn't fix anything. That goes to show you there's nothing that's going to be fixed. All right, really quick, because I got two more pieces of sound I want to play. We know that Tyson Bajan is going to be the quarterback tonight for the Bears. But hear how Matt Eberflus addressed Justin Fields' injury status ahead of tonight's game. I'm just, I'm not, I'm having trouble understanding. He's, he's not playing, but he's doubtful. There's, is he out or doubtful? He, now he's listed as doubtful. You're saying that he's out. He's not going to play. We'll see where it goes. Uh, the chances are doubtful, 51% that he's in or out, and uh, it's going to be, we'll see where it is. We got a little time left, but uh, again, We'll declare him out when he's out. Uh, right now, we're still listening to him as doubtful. <laughs> I think we know why the Bears suck. Did he say 51% he's in or he's out? I don't know what 51% is subscribed to. Like, I don't. Does it mean that you put it to he's in and then 49 he's out? I don't know. That was the most incoherent thing since I've heard. Well, I would love to compare that to what Arthur Blank talked about with Bijan Robinson not oh, getting God. enough t- touches. I, yeah, I can't stand him. <laughs> Wes, I'm so glad you said that. That five-minute explanation that he had, I had to turn it off after a minute and a half. This is true. I'm not exaggerating. I listened to Arthur Smith. I want to say Arthur Blank. I do it every time. (laughs) I want to hear, I was trying to listen to Arthur Smith tell us as to why he wasn't giving Bajan Robinson enough touches in the red zone. And the first minute and a half is telling us, well, we got to be objective. If things aren't working, then I understand some of these questions that come my way. And as a coach, I got to make sure that I'm objective when evaluating my team. So I understand these questions. And when you are objective, what? Just tell us why. Exactly. Arthur, stop. He did the same thing with the quarterback stuff too, man. He dances around like MC Hammer in the 90s. Well, and when he's talking to the media, I mean, everything is snarky. Right. Oh, yeah. Everything. That's it's what all I'm saying. About, it's all about fantasy football. Man, you drafted Kyle Pitts as high as a tight end has been drafted since Vernon Davis. You don't use him. You use Jonu Smith. There was a play that you drew up to have like a third string tight end throw to your backup tight end where the tight end you drafted fourth overall was blocking. Mm -hmm. And now we're asking about Bajan Robinson not getting red zone touches. And we're trying to figure out, wait, if you're a decent play caller, why isn't this adding up to wins? Anyway, all that to say, that was incoherent. And so is this answer. Not to mention to Eberflus' hairdo. I saw him this morning. I mean, he looks like a classic movie villain. It's like layered at the back. Like it's... It's crazy. Like a white collar movie villain? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I didn't know if he was in the streets out here fighting or if he was behind no. the scenes type of guy. That immediately, do you feel in charge? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know if it was that. Do we have enough time for one more or do we want to go to break, Fitting? Oh, no. I wanted to play this piece of sound to see if I could get you back to the foul line because Terrence Oglesby <laughs> on a Hornets postgame live on Bally Sports South, he addressed how they can defend the five-out offense a lot better after getting uh, – 
torn apart last night by the Wizards. I'm wondering if maybe they switch some of the matchups and have Mark guarding somebody else on the floor as opposed to it being a primary ball handler or a primary screener, right? Maybe put him on the backside, but they're going to continue using him until he figures this out. And one thing that he has been really good at is when people attack him and he's playing back and drop coverage, where at times he struggled at is guarding an open space where there's nobody else there and he's having to guard one-on-one -on -one way away from the basket. And some of the smaller teams that they've played, the Brooklyn's, the Indiana's, they've been able to take advantage of that, get him out in space, and then attack him. This is something that Mark Williams should get better at, but if you're going to change one thing, I would communicate more and be louder because there were a lot of times today where they'd end up two people on the ball and it'd be wide open shots at the top of the key. So communication, cut down on turnovers, you'll have a chance next game against Washington. Walker, are you good, or is that blood reboiling after the, your first segment foul line visit? Uh, no, it, I mean, well, I, I don't know if there was any lie that he told. That is something that Mark Williams is struggling with in the perimeter. I think Mark is supposed to protect the rim at all costs, and so he's caught in between his assignment, whether it be Gallinari, whether it be Dorian Finney-Smith, and trying to do what he was drafted to do in protecting the rim. What was interesting is Steve Clifford talking about a small ball center not really having one on this roster, or at least a five-out center, not small ball, because there is a difference. Miles Turner can be a five-out center, but he's not small. He's one of the better shot blockers in the NBA. Could you go with P.J. Washington like they did against the Brooklyn Nets, have him run small, where then everybody can have that capability of guarding on the perimeter, but Steve Clifford didn't go to it until Brooklyn late, and it was too late for them to come back into that game. Remind me what coach used P.J. Washington at the five in a good season for the Hornets? You are right. <laughs> Fiddy is right on this. James Borrego did use P.J., and P.J. had good team numbers as the small ball center, but Steve Clifford didn't want to go to it. I, I get him, though. He wants to play his top five players. Mark is one of those guys. Hopefully they figure it out sooner rather than later here, Wes, because, man, they don't have much more time to lose at all. I mean, we're just always talking about defense with the Hornets, and we know in today's NBA, man, you can't just be a shot blocker sitting under the basket. They're going to bring you out and see what you got out there. That's just the way the game goes now. So Mark is going to have to get better with that. 52-year-old Gallinari after not playing <laughs> an entire season. That's what I watched go off last night. Is it a revenge game for DJ Moore and Deontay Foreman? Who goes off? We'll talk about it on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Great slogan if we didn't just straight rip it from Craig Mack. Wesson Walker, a little flavor for your ear. No doubt about it. I love it. R. But R. We, can't rip it. Mac. we can't rip it from Craig Mack, though. No, we can't. R.I.P. to Why Craig Mack. I mean, That's paying homage. I mean, it is, but I want something a little more original. I mean, it is original, but it's a, it's cool. I, it is nice for a radio slogan. Yeah. It's crazy, man. His life was nuts. It was. <laughs> As it was really a lot was. of the bad boy artists. Yeah, I know. It was it was it was crazy. By the way, speaking of, well, I think we're gonna play it in the next segment. We'll see. But um it also I felt like Wesson Walker week that was could feels like a Friday with us talking about the Carolina Panthers. Does it feel like a Friday to y'all? Oh yeah, because the Panthers are playing yeah. and we're doing all the stuff we would do on a Friday. Yeah, it does feel like that. But uh, it's the 30-year anniversary of Midnight Marauders release date. Mm. So people oh are my God. having fun. Yeah, it's it's uh, a fantastic album. 
And so we're going to play a little bit of that later. I should have worn my low-end theory short sleeve hoodie today. It's not Midnight Marauders, but still. And in the same neighborhood. So um, now I need to get a Craig Mack hoodie. And that would be pretty sweet as well. Let's discuss a little more about the Carolina Panthers. Because we had the game day dubs conversation. The question was, who goes off? Is it DJ Moore? Or is it Deontay Foreman? Or is it somebody for the Panthers? We both went with a couple of Chicago Bears. I went with DJ. You went with Montez Sweat. Mm-hmm. Pretty good answer, considering the lack of pass protection that we've seen for Bryce Young. Hopefully, Bryce is okay as Montez Sweat suits up for the Bears, I believe, the first time. Did he suit yes. up? I, know, I think it's the first time that he's going to do that. So, I went with DJ. I just think because no Brian Burns, no CJ Henderson, I think you are getting Von Bell back tonight, which will be a nice boost for them. The safety position, at least you have both of your starters that you planned on at the beginning of the season. But cornerback depth, it's certainly shaky. DJ Moore, to me, I think is going to have a good game. But Deontay Foreman, I mean, he's the guy I was looking at for some of these props and for some of the fantasy advice out there, Wes. Mm -hmm. And everybody is saying, yo, play Deontay Foreman. Smash that start button. Make sure he's in your lineup because the Panthers have not been good against the run, despite them playing pretty well against Jonathan Taylor last week. Deontay Foreman is somebody that you probably should be putting in your lineup with Khalil Herbert being out for this game, too. Yeah, and I was going to say we were each uh, – Montez Sweat did play in their last game. Got it. But uh, he's going to be playing tonight in his second game. But, yeah, we've been talking about win rates, and the Panthers are 21st against the run and run-stop win rates. So, uh, definitely, if I had to pick which one has the more advantageous matchup because we know Carolina's pass defense has been decent – and so I would go with Foreman as far as uh, having the more advantageous matchup mm-hmm. going in. All right, so we have Stanford P writing in. Dante Jackson will go off with an injury. Yeah, that's how it's been going, man. That's how everything's been working, especially for the defensive side of the ball. Bradley shooting blanks writes in. Tonight's game, you laugh every time. Tonight's game will be a typical, terrible Thursday night game. <laughs> 704 said, blood and guts everywhere 2.0. DJ Moore goes off tonight. TC asked, Montez Sweat, WWE superstar. I don't get the joke. I'm going to go to you. Do you get the yeah, joke? Yeah, no, he's talking about Montez from the Street Profits. Uh, that's who he's talking about right there. And I want to hear from the text line, too. If they do think DJ Moore is going to go off or form, and how many yards are they going to rush for or – uh, have receiving yards because and don't and don't text in crazy numbers. Like let us know realistically how you think this thing's gonna go. Okay, serious numbers, only serious numbers. <laughs> because you said that, everybody's gonna bring in a thousand on you. They I'm are. sorry, that's they just are. how it's gonna work for you. Or maybe what you just said will cause them to. <laughs> it's gonna be a fascinating social experiment. Ajero <laughs> Avero talked about facing Deontay Foreman. Here's what the defensive coordinator had to say about what is the starting running back as long as Khalil Herbert is out. We played against them last year when we played Carolina, and uh, we saw that that story. It's uh, tough, physical, downhill. Uh, you know, you can't make that a one-on-one tackling deal. You got we got to get a lot of population to the party. Um, uh, but I got a lot of respect for that player. Population to the party. What do you think about that line? Wow, that's a bar. I it like was. it. Yeah, shout out to Avero. What do you think about what he had to say though? Because it, it Foreman will break tackles. He is going to be a hard-nosed runner. That's what we saw from him when he took over for Christian McCaffrey after he was traded. He got close to 1,000 yards, but you have to remember, here in Carolina, he was only the starting running back for the last 12, 11 games that he played and still was real productive. This is one, he doesn't have the history with us like DJ Moore does, 
But man, he did represent some hope because as soon as he was implemented into the starting lineup, they started to win. He, Steve Wilkes, even Sam Darnold when he comes back, we got a couple of P.J. Walker moments. I mean, a little bit of the island of the misfits, but man, they were our misfits. And we almost got to the playoffs with that group. We got to the second to last week of the season with them being a Buccaneers win away from possibly taking it home. And Sam Darnold played well for a lot of that game before he got sacked off of a Nikki Aquanu allowed pressure. We also saw the interception, I believe, when he was targeting Steven Sullivan. But man, Deontay Foreman, a part of a team last year that felt like our group of guys, despite everybody else counting us out every week. Yeah, and we know, like I said, the Panthers' pass defense has been fairly decent, but that's also, you know, I think it's always a skewed stat when people want to pick rush defense or pass defense or whatever the case may be. I like to get into more efficiency numbers, things yeah. of that nature, because the Panthers are uh, eighth in yards per rush attempt and they're ninth in rushing yards gain when you take away the sack yardage that they've accumulated. And so, yeah, th- this is a defense that is not stout against the run. And I'm sure Chicago is going to try to take advantage of that because you remember at the end of the season, like we said, over those last eight, nine games, Deontay Foreman was as good as anybody in the league. He was good, man. That's that's what hurts. You weren't going to have to pay him a lot of money. So hot in that season. Well, and now what what's really damning about this running back revolving door, the decision that Scott Fitterer made, is the fact that now Miles Sanders, the guy that got the big contract over the offseason, Chuba Hubbard has taken his job. And we know what we saw last year. Chuba was good when he was the backup running back. Now he's the starter. And even we knew he wasn't as good as Deontay Foreman was last year. But now Chuba's better than the guy you gave the big contract to. And you let Deontay walk and play for Chicago, who is only making the most of his opportunity. And by the way, Khalil Herbert should be starting up there. Good player. You can split those carries that we can get into the nuance of how you should handle the running back position. But Khalil Herbert, really good football player. Deontay Foreman is reminding you of how good he is. And that's what's unfortunate is because we see him go for so little money. We give the biggest free agent running back contract to a guy that got two attempts two games ago and only six in this last game because Chuba's playing better and Miles has just not been it this season. No, he has not. And so for uh, the Panthers running backs too, it's going to be huge tonight, man. The Panthers have to try to find a way to establish the run. I mean, that is one of the biggest ways you help out your young quarterback. And so uh, also when the backs get the rock, though, they got to do something with it. I mean, we know the offensive line isn't great. They're 27th in rushing yards before contact, but they're 15th in rushing yards after contact. So that's average. But that tells me that the backs, when they do get it, especially Chuba Hubbard. Now, Miles has definitely been uh, behind the eight ball as far as what he's been giving you. But uh, those yards after contact, Chuba's a guy that runs very hard. You just got to give him some space to be able to do so. And I think that's going to be paramount tonight as well, uh, even though this Bears run defense is pretty good. And so they're going to have to try to establish that early to get Bryce off. I think Chuba Hubbard has been one of those guys for me that I've just – continue to be pleasantly surprised about I he remember we had the fumbles we had the drop passes that were a real problem as soon as he stepped foot on an NFL field he would give us some nice things to work with but then uh, would make the bad play that showed you oh okay yeah I mean he's not going to be even a backup running back that I'm ready for remember I think even going in the last season we had him as one of the examples of what could be a surprise cut 
And now he's he's a football player, man. He's here. Like he's a good running back. He deserves to be on a roster, and we'll see just how long he deserves to be on a roster. Yeah, but I he mean, certainly well, does now. Yeah, man. I was just gonna say, you know, last thing over the last six games, Chicago's only given up 58 yards rushing per contest. So this offensive line's definitely got their work cut out for him. You asked for some real stats about DJ Moore. King of the Marlowe Militia wrote in DJ is gonna go for 76 yards and two okay, touchdowns. Very specific. I mean, you asked for it. I thought we were. Gonna I like some it. specific um bookie 63 said the dj yak numbers are good i'm guessing or maybe run after the catch he has rack but i'm looking at yak we'll see uh continuing to scroll 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 704 110 to 140 for both three touchdowns combined that would be a lot of production given up to both of these guys how much are we going to be talking about the trade tomorrow if we get if we see DJ Moore and Deontay Foreman go off really even specifically DJ because I even heard Willie P talking about this a lot earlier today Wes about some of the things you could have done differently to help Bryce Young in keeping a weapon that was good during his time in Carolina oh no question about it you're going to be talking about this because you look at the position the Panthers could have been in you're talking about having a potential top three pick with the quarterbacks that could be available to you so you could have put yourself in a position to where now Hans is always 2020, but you could have put yourself in a position to where if you wanted to go with Andy Dalton this season, uh, and then you still have DJ Moore, you still have your draft picks intact, and then now let's just say that the offensive line still digresses and you're still having issues there, but you still have that high first round pick to be able to get that quarterback, and then you can spend the rest of your capital maybe building on that offensive line and don't have to worry about maybe as many positions when you talk about having a guy that you feel like is a number one receiver. Um, and then you have a running back there that you could have saved yourself some money by giving him a lot less than what you gave to Miles Sanders. So uh, I think no question that's going to be at the forefront of fans of the Carolina Panthers. Well, and and I speaking of just the conversation earlier today, you're always going to ask as long as DJ continues to produce, no matter who his quarterback is, you're always going to ask the question, should they have given up somebody else in that trade if Chicago would have been welcoming to that because Brian Burns is the clear example. How how many assets could you have saved by just including Brian Burns? Because I'm not you might view it as just a player swap and if you include Brian Burns, the guy that is asking for $30 million and settling, quote-unquote, for $25 million, that's a lot of value. Yes. We saw two teams willing to give up multiple first-round picks, Rams willing to give up a third-round pick on top of that. So maybe you even pick, you keep another pick if Brian Burns is included, or that first goes to like a third, something like that. If Scott Fitter and the Carolina Panthers... Don't lock Brian Burns up long term and he goes somewhere else. That's where you just can't make it make sense anymore. Because one of the reasons you could have justified this long process of party against party contract negotiation is, well, at least we're winning now. At least we got a good rental rental year out of Brian Burns. But they're one and seven. They're not going to the postseason. So that reason is out the door. Brian Burns not being here long term, despite his young age, that would kill you while watching DJ Moore help whatever QB is up there in Chicago. They're set whether they keep Justin Fields. They're set whether they use their second or third pick on Drake May, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, whoever it is. That is going to help them 
in a way that is not going to help the Carolina number one overall pick on Bryce Young because they don't have him anymore. So now you're not even helping your defense because you're allocating your resources to Frankie Louvu and Derek Brown, and the guy you didn't include in that trade is out the door. It's the move after the move that is going to have people fed up with Scott Fitter. And also, too, Kristen on the text line brings a good point. It said, honestly, he could have went with Levis and kept DJ informing with Thielen and been fine. And then, so maybe you don't pick him at nine because we know Levis failed. So you always try to uh, equate those alternate universe situations to what could have happened and link it somewhat to what really did happen. And so maybe you do go in to that second round, make a trade with Pittsburgh to move up to the first pick of the second round to be able to draft him because he ended up going at 33. The Panthers' first pick was at 39. I don't think that would have been out of the realm of realism to think that the Steelers wouldn't have minded trading down from 32 to 39, and then maybe you take Levis there. Uh, so, yeah, there were a lot of different scenarios, but, again, woulda, coulda, shoulda, we are what we are. Well, now we're in a complicated territory because – you remember who David Tepper reportedly wanted first mm-hmm. before the season even ended. Mm-hmm. It was Will Levis. Yeah. Yet here we have been the whole time telling you we don't want David Tepper to meddle as much in football operations. But now here we are saying maybe you could have just stood pat, traded back a little bit, selected Will Levis, gained more assets, and been just fine. That's where revisionist history will just have you going crazy. Oh, yeah. That we don't need to do that. If it means David Tepper being more involved in football operations, then no, I'm good. Give me Bryce Young. Give me the trade up to number one overall and let the football people do the football stuff. I would still rather have that than have hung out, waited for Will Levis to fall. And who knows? Who knows if you were to fall in your, what, 25th? Maybe somebody would have traded up, even if it didn't happen this time. The Panthers didn't know that. So it's that one's always really hard to try to make sense of it if you go back and play the Inception game. Time now for the last fitty flash of the day before we move on to the last segment. Fitty. We got a fan submission with a prop bet that I figured I'd run by you guys. I don't have a cool name like Shrops Props, but uh, Copeland texted in, which number will be greater up to the NBA All-Star break? The number of wins for the Charlotte Hornets or touchdown by former Carolina Panthers? Touchdowns by former Carolina Panthers. DJ has five right now. Let's even give them ten. Deontay, I don't even know how many Deontay has, but let's give him, what, seven? 17 all-star break goodness gracious it might just be the touchdown (laughs) if if, it really might because the season's going to be over by the time we reach the all-star break i really hope not though man i hope the hornets can get back on track i don't want foul line i'm just saying the fact that we're here and you have losses to detroit houston and washington the blowout game at home this was the time to capitalize even without terry rogier and you weren't able to do it that's what sets you up for the worst-case scenario going forward. Yeah, I'm going to go with you, Walker. I'm going to go with uh, former Panthers players touchdown. Well, should I offer Walker another out nope. of our bet? I mean, especially after Thank last night. Thank you, as night, always. I appreciate it, A bet is a bet. But, I mean, like, after last night, like, part of my heart hurts for Walker. Thank you. 
I don't know why Wes is not as sympathetic as you are. I mean, a bet is a bet. You know, I try to keep my word on a lot of things, and so. Uh, but what? But I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what that got to do with me? Uh, right, well, you about... asked me my opinion. No, I did not. No. <laughs> I did not. Let's move on. We'll talk about it during the break. Bears, Panthers, picks. Who are we going with? Find out next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Happy 30-year anniversary to the Midnight Marauders release, Electric Relaxation. A couple things. Number one, one of the best beats of all time. Fair? Yes. Okay. Number two, we've mentioned it before. This is the music video where Fife is wearing a Carolina Panthers sweatshirt as they're rapping at the bar, or I should say at the diner, and it was before the Panthers actually even played one single game. And Fife was already repping the Carolina Panthers. To me, there are a couple of moments to choose from. We've done this before. But it is the greatest intersection of Charlotte sports and hip-hop of all time. The fact that that beat, that music video had Fife Dog wearing a Carolina Panthers sweatshirt before the team even played a game. Crazy. Shouts to Fife, R.I.P. Fife. Dog. And shouts to Midnight Marauders coming out this one with their 30-year anniversary. Hardest questions that you could ever ask me about the best. Yeah, oh, perfect. I don't think anybody I heard 16. that because I, I, yeah. I'm just looking at no, all the good. records that came out in 99, all the records that I bought. I'm like, how am I going to pick this one? All right, so the context is, before we hopped on the mic, I asked Wes, what was the best album that was released when he was 16 years old? That's why Wes said, before anybody knew, oh my it's God. the hardest question that I asked him. Because I saw this one going out on Twitter. I'll go first if you want to pick, and then you can release some of the names. But yeah, this was going on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Best album that came out when you were 16 years old. For me, it was no question. Carter 3. Okay. I was 16 years old when Carter 3 came out. Hard to beat that one. If you want a little bit of a cheat code, I'll go with the mixtape No Ceilings because that dominated my entire high school tenure. So those are the two for me. What you got for me, Wes? First of all, I mean, just to give you a few of the albums that came out in 1999, you're talking about Jay-Z Volume 3, one yep. of my favorite Jay-Z albums ever. Nas I Am, Mob Deep Murder Music, Hot Boys Guerrilla Warfare, Black on Both Sides Most Deaf. Then there was X. I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious. In Our Lifetime Volume 1, 8 Ball and MJG, Getty Green, Project Pat. But, oh, and could I, I mean, so many in there, but Chopper City in the Ghetto, BG as well, one of my favorites. But, I mean, for me, with all those great albums, still easy, even when you talk about Blackout, Meth and Red, but Chronic 2001, Dr. Dre. I was going to say, that came out in 99. There's one answer yeah. here. Well, I don't man, come on now. The competition hit, Roots, Things Fall Apart, Prince Paul's album was crazy. You oh, know me. I was spinning Skrilla, Corrupt, The Streets of the Mother, one of my favorite West Coast albums ever. Well, and those can be Ooh. favorite. I would say most people would give a lot of respect to all the albums that you just mentioned. And a lot of people would settle on 2001. Hot Boys Guerrilla Warfare was. Oh. It's the second. It's the second Hot Boys reference. Man, we've had I this was week. a huge fan, and that Hot Boys Guerrilla Warfare had so much hype, and it delivered plus some. Fiddy, did you play the game? I told you to look it up. Did you? <laughs> did you look up what album might have been released when you were 16 years old? Rich Forever by Rick Ross was up there. 
Stop playing. Stop playing. Fire, though. Fire mixtape. One of my favorites. Yeah. Fire. Well, Wes agrees with you, but also, what what else, what else do you got? Something you were listening to. A different version of Taylor Swift. Her Red album came out in 2012 when I was 16. Okay. There you go. And I like country music, or Taylor Swift's country music. I like her, her pop music now, too, but that's probably been up there high on the list. Sports relevant nowadays. 100%. What you got for us, Wes? Oh, no. Also, I was looking at the text line. Bebop from Rock Hill also threw in, which I forgot to mention. There was too many. That's why I said Slim Shady LP, 1999. Yeah. Bebop from Rock Thrills, you mentioned, wrote that in. 704, 16, same age as me. Got got to be. Carter 3 and Blueprint 3, which is, to me, the most underrated Jay-Z album. People talk about Blueprint 3 just not being all that good, and I think they're crazy. Couple skips, like one, two max. Blueprint 3, it's straight fire, as one Wes Bryant might say. Yeah, 704, Guerrilla Warfare. Chubb in a Tub said, year 2000 for me, it's the Marshall Mathers mm. LP. Yes, sir. Um, Wolfpack James writing in, Fife Dog. No, it is not Barney Fife from the Andy Griffith Show, for all of you <laughs> that think that might be the character that we're referencing. That's a great topic. Uh, 2006, Wayne Dedication 2 and okay. T.I. King. Mm. T.I. dominated... But when I was in middle school, that's when he dominated. Oh, that was the height of his powers because ATL and King came out the same week. And that King album to this day is still my favorite T.I. album. Alex and Steel Creek wrote in Low End Theory and also when I was 16, Criminal Minded, Beat It. That's what he writes in. We have a couple of other ones, right? Yeah, Warfare, we got it. So those are some of the albums that we're mentioning. I thought that was a fun topic. I had fun. Going Definitely there. was. Yeah, the mixtape, No Ceilings, as much as Carter 3 was crazy. No ceilings dominated my entire high school listening experience uh, as bought, well as my friends. I bought at least probably 15, 16 of these records that year. Uh, Bagel Guy, Californication. Remember when that came out? That was a great one. Red yeah. Hot Chili Peppers and uh, The Chronic for, I think it was Big Cat Dan. Write that, wrote that in. Paper Trail TI, another great one. All right, let's move on. I guess we'll give us a prediction on this Panthers Bears game tonight. I already asked you, really, at the beginning of the show, why don't you hit us again, Wes, who you think wins? And if you want to, if you're feeling froggy, give us a score. Uh, I'm going to go with the Panthers tonight. I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. Give me Panthers 21 to 14 over the bed. What you got, Fitty? I got the Panthers as well. You can't lose to a quarterback from Shepard University or a team that's being coached by a blubbering iter like Matt Eberflus. Give me the Panthers 6-4. I got to do it for the people. I have to. The last time that we had a clean sweep against the Panthers, they got destroyed. Yeah. And it was Bryce Young's worst game as a NFL quarterback. Not today. I will take the sacrifice. I will take the fall. Let me pick the Bears to save Just the to outcome for the Panthers. No, no, it's true. I should be doing He's this. He's doing it for a purpose. Doing There's it for a the method people. to his madness. The Bears are going to win 17-14 to 14 by a field goal. That's my final prediction. Book it, and I'll take the L for all of us. That'll do it for Weston Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show. He's broadcasting live from the Spectrum Center. You got a lot of important things going on tonight. Some college basketball, Iowa, Caitlin Clark, she's in town. And we'll be out at 10.58. Come by and see us. We'll play some trivia from 6 to 8. 1058 Thomas Davis's bar across the Charlotte Knights Stadium in Uptown Charlotte. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.